This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning. I am very honored to be here with you today. I uh, have really enjoyed the weekend, was honored to be a part of the wedding, and just tickled to death to be here with you today. I hope that you've had a good weekend too. Isn't it wonderful, the change in the seasons and the rain that God's nourishing the earth with? And hopefully we'll nourish our souls a little bit with the Word of God this morning. Okay, so I want to talk to you about something. You know, every year in the English language, it's what they call a living language. It's not a dead language. And what that means is there are new words that come along. There are new ideas that come along. There are old words that people don't use anymore. The language changes. Some words change meaning. And every year, the dictionary updates to a new set of words in the dictionary. And they add things like uh, the word clickbait. You all know that word? Any of you know that word clickbait? It's where there's a story and you see a headline, you go, oh, that's interesting. And you click on it and it's not what you thought it was. And it's, it's just a trick. It's bait to get you to click on something. I want to talk about a concept that has just recently been added to the dictionary, and it's the word YOLO, okay? How many of you, I don't normally raise hands, but how many of you know what YOLO means? Hey, we've got quite a few people that know what YOLO means. Most of them are younger. (laughs) I teach at a uh, private Christian school. I'm the high school Bible teacher, and all my kids... They all know what YOLO means. They say it a lot, YOLO. And YOLO is just an acronym. It's just a a shortened phrase, and it means you only live once. YOLO. And it's a way to say that what you ought to do right now is just live in the present moment. And just don't worry about the future. Now, there's some truth in that. Yesterday, before the wedding... When we were standing at the back, I told Cameron, I said, now listen, think about what you're doing right now. Don't be nervous. Pay attention to what's going on right now, because if you don't, you won't remember it, right? All of you have been married, and you're going, wow, that was a great day, but I don't really remember it because I was too nervous. Okay? The idea of YOLO, though, goes far beyond just paying attention at the moment It means to live your life the way you want right now. And don't worry about the consequences. Don't worry about the future. You know, this is a fabulous world we live in. Life is short. I took this picture in Alaska where my daughter and her husband live. This is a place called Resurrection Bay. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's fabulous. I love to travel. I love to go different places. I've gotten an opportunity to travel. And you know what? Because I travel, my news feed is full of all kinds of, oh, you can fly business class for cheaper than, than peasant class, you know? And I get all kinds of articles and stuff like that. And I also get stuff like, I'm only 20 once, 
and I'm not going to waste it working. I'm going to go travel through Europe. Because you only get, why not? YOLO. Just go. Break the bank. Have fun. You never know. You might never get another chance to go to Europe. So do it while you can. Right? Or, let's party. Let's have fun. I live in Dallas, just north of Dallas. It's the world's largest casino. Largest one in the world is just across the Oklahoma border. Lots of people go up there. Lots of folks go up there and party. I mean, you, you might make some money, you know? I mean, you just go up there and have a good time. Why not? YOLO! You only live once. Just go enjoy yourself. Don't be so weighted down with all the burdens. You might say, well, I wouldn't do that. We've also got a place in Dallas called the Heart Attack Grill. They will stack as many patties of nasty on there as you want, as you'll pay for. Now, I've never been there, but sometimes us more respectable Christian kind of folks, we wouldn't go gamble, but we'll load them up <laughs> on the plate, right? Why not? YOLO! You only live once. Eat anything you want, as much as you want. Make yourself miserable. You only live once, Right? Life's too short to work at a job you don't like. You don't like your job? Boss is kind of mean, hard to get along with. You have to work with turkeys. Just quit. My goodness, you only live once. Life's too short to be doing something you don't like every day, right? YOLO. Now, I've never watched this lady, but I've heard a lot about her. She's got a TV show, and she says what you need to do is you need to go around your house and pick up everything you've got and look at it and hold it and go, does this make me happy? And if it doesn't, get rid of it. Which, we're about to move, my wife and I, and I've lived in my house 31 years, and I'm thinking I should have been doing some of this because <laughs> i got a bunch of junk that doesn't make me happy. But... Her idea is if something or someone in your life doesn't make you happy, you only live once, get rid of them. You shouldn't have to deal with people that make you unhappy. You shouldn't have to put up with stuff that makes you dissatisfied and unenjoyable un, un in life. Preachers even get in on the message. Y'all know who that is? Any of you? His name's Joel Osteen. Got the biggest church in America, Houston, Texas. They have over 50,000 people a week attend his church. And you know what? He says, you need to live your best life now. I mean, God created you as a child of the King. You need some of the jewels. You need to enjoy your life. God wants you to be happy above everything else. YOLO! There was a lady, for you older people who didn't know the word YOLO, a lady that lived a long time ago, her name was Mae West. Any of y'all know who that is? Yeah, we've got two or three people who know who Mae She was an actress. She's very famous for saying this, You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. And she used that to explain her philosophy of do whatever you want, live however you want in life. Now, I've talked given you lots of examples of this, I want to give you something else that someone said one time. Jesus. 
said, The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. And very literally what Jesus is saying there is you don't only live once. You don't. In fact, the Bible and YOLO are exact opposites. What we do here on earth in this life will have great determination on what happens in our next life. And that's what I want to talk with you a little. You know, this idea, it, teenagers use this word a lot, although I was told this morning YOLO is a millennial phrase and not a Gen Z phrase, so I don't know. But this is not new. It was going on way back even in the Old Testament. Haggai talked about this when Haggai said, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Haggai said, you don't just YOLO through life. You consider your ways. You think about the things you do and the consequences of those things and what's going to come in the future. The Apostle Paul said it this way, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now here he says, you walk circumspectly. When he says walk, he's talking about the way you live. As you walk through your life, walk circumspectly. You know what circumspect is? What well, comes from two words. Circum is like circle. means around. And spect is like spectacles, it means looking. So he says, when you walk through life, you look all around and you pay attention to what's going on. You be someone who is aware of the circumstances that you're in and the results of your actions. Do you know people that go through life and just kind of say whatever's on their mind? And they just hurt people's feelings, they offend people, they, and they go, oh, I always got my foot in my mouth. Well... Hush up and pay attention to what's going on around you. You know, life is not just about what's going on at this very moment right now. Here's another quote that I love about Christianity. It's a quote from a guy named C.S. Lewis, and he said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance is moderately important. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. If Jesus is who He said He was, if He really was raised from the dead, and we had a lesson about that just recently over here, didn't we? About the resurrection. If that really happened, that's the most important thing in the world. And if it didn't happen... You are wasting your time here today. One or the other. It's either the most important thing in the world or the least important thing in the world. The problem that all of us have is we tend to land in between those two. You know? We tend to say, yeah, oh, Jesus came, praise God, hallelujah. Uh, I'm busy right now. I'll, I'll. And we kind of try to live 
like it's moderately important. It's really important Sunday morning at 10.30 for about an hour and a half. But then Tuesday night, is Christianity as important Tuesday night as it is Sunday morning? Would you all say it is? You can shake your heads. I don't mind. Yes or no? Yeah. I believe it is. And there are certain things that this God who sent His Son to save you and I, there are certain things that He requires of you and certain things He requires of me. And I want to talk briefly about some of those things. What does God require of us? If you can't live your life just any way you want, what is it that God requires of you? Well, number one, God requires repentance. You know what repentance is? Uh, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. That's what Jesus said. Do you know what repent means? Repent means be different. It means change the way you're living. Okay? It means you were walking one direction in your life, and you stopped, and you turned around, and you walked the other direction. That's what repent means. Now, here's the truth, okay? The truth is this. If you aren't different, you didn't repent, and you're not saved. We live in a culture that celebrates everyone being able to believe whatever they want to believe, right? Tolerance over truth. That's the most important thing in our world is tolerance, right? And people openly embrace the opposite of what God says in the Bible, and then still claim to be a Christian. I preached just recently at, at a place, and after services we had a dinner there, and a young lady came up to me and she said, Hey, my mom is visiting here today. And she was really unhappy with some of the things you said in your sermon, and I wondered if you would visit with her. I said, sure, you know, I'll go talk to her. And so we went and sat down with her mom and her and her fiancé. And, and I said, so I understand you had some questions or concerns about some of the things I talked about. She said, yeah. She said, I just didn't, I just don't think it's right to say that the church shouldn't be just open to homosexuals and all kinds of moral perversion. That's not her words, but mine, LGBTQ+. She said, those people are the children of God just like we are, and they ought to be welcomed in here, and they ought to feel as happy and as satisfied being in here as anyone else. Now I want you to know, this isn't some woman that's out in the street cussing God. This is a woman who faithfully worships and attends church, and she believes that no matter what the Bible says, we should openly embrace people who embrace the opposite of what the Bible says. Now listen, in your life, if you're a Christian, you may not be, but if you are, you don't have the right to decide what you think is good or bad or right or wrong. Only Jesus has that right. Only the Bible. And there are many things that I might look at and I might go, well, you know, I'd do that differently if I was God, you know. Honestly, there are things I'd do different if I was God. But guess what? I'm not God. And neither are you. God is God. Amen. And He requires from you 
and I a life of repentance, a life that will put He and His will and His Word first. Number two, He requires that you believe in Him. If you believe not that I am He, you will die in your sins. Listen, Christianity, Christianity matters. People who deny Jesus as the Son of God, as nice as they might be, they're going to lose their soul. You have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. There's no option for anything else. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by, you know how it ends, right? Me. By Jesus, you see. And if you don't believe in and trust in Jesus, you will die in your sins. It's not something you can be forever undecided about. It's not something you can say, well, you know, I don't have time to really dig into that now, but one of these days I will. You can't put it off. You have to believe. You have to know. You have to trust that Jesus is the Son of God. Another thing God requires of you is baptism. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, times change. When I was a young man, when I was a young warthog, is what I tell all my kids, years ago, there was a big divide in Christianity over baptism. And I mean, if you were, didn't believe in baptism, you'd go to the death saying, no, you don't have to be baptized. Nowadays, a lot of people just, you know, at least in the Dallas area, you teach them you've got to be baptized. They go, oh, okay. You know, you teach them you don't need to, and they go, oh, okay. You know, it, there's not a real doctrinal stance on that. But I'll tell you something, the Bible has a doctrinal stance on that. And it is that God requires us to be baptized. You might say, well... I just think if you love God and you're trying to do what's good, why does it matter? It matters because that's what God said. You see, baptism is your birth into the kingdom of God. And if you refuse it, you'll never be born into God's family. So why would I refuse to choose my birth into the family of God? Well, I just want to be, you know, the the best friend that gets invited to the family reunion. I don't want to be part of the family. We wouldn't want to do that. We want to be part of the family of God. Something else that God requires of you is faithfulness. Scriptures say in Revelation 2 and 10, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, for years I thought that meant once you become a Christian, you be faithful all the way until you die. And that's true, but that's not what this is talking about. He's talking to people who are being persecuted. And he's saying, you be faithful even if it costs your life. You be faithful if they kick in the doors with guns and say, deny Jesus or die. You be faithful. And you take whatever the cost is. Living faithful. That's a, that's a big idea. And I want to talk about three things regarding this. Number one, faithfulness means you place nothing ahead of Jesus. You don't place anything ahead of God. There's nothing that's more important in your life. Look at this. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus said, 
If you love your family more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. Do you love your family? You know, I look out here and I see lots of families. That's wonderful. A lot of young families. You all love your kids, don't you? Most of the time? Yeah. You love your kids. Jesus said, if you love them more than you love me, you can't be my disciple. You're not worthy of me. Kids, do you love your mom and dad? Yeah. Yeah, I got a lot of yes head nods, folks. That's very good. You got to love Jesus more. What Jesus is saying is Jesus is saying, I am worth more than a physical family here on this earth. Now, many of you know my wife. Some of you don't know her. She is in Alaska visiting the new grandbaby right now. And uh, I wish she could be here with me. But listen, I want you to know I love my wife. She is, I mean, she's precious. She is the most special person on the face of this earth to me. We've been married 33 years now. And uh, I never thought I'd have someone put up with me that long. It's wonderful. And she knows I say this, so don't be concerned. But I want you to understand, as much as I love my wife, she's just a wife. She's not my Savior. She will, uh, my successful life will be to have her holding my hand when I die. I would think that was a successful life, right? But she's not going to cross the river with me. Only Jesus does that. Only Jesus is my Savior. And so if I ever have to choose, I can't choose just a wife. I have to choose a Savior. You see, Jesus is worth more than your job. He's worth more than your friends. He's worth more than your education. He's worth more than your government status. He's worth more than our freedom. He's worth more than everything. He has to be number one in your life. Is Jesus number one to you? I want you to think about that. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Not just part of it, not just on weekends, not just when it's brought to my attention, but all the time. Listen to this. They have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. They didn't love even their own life to the point of death. Now, we're going to talk about Nigeria this afternoon. And uh, I go to Nigeria. I'm fixing to go again in February. And Nigeria, my wife does not like me going to Nigeria. Can you believe that? She doesn't want me to go there because she believes that at some point I will die in Nigeria. Okay? Now, I will tell you to start with, I wasn't keen on going to start with myself. I, I did not want to go. They tried to get me to go, and I said, we got a lot of unsaved people in Texas. I'll work on them, and if we get them all saved, I'll go to Oklahoma. I don't need to go to Nigeria. But you know, it became abundantly clear that I was called to do a service for the Lord, and, and I chose to do that. Now, I've never had to give my life over there. But what I told my wife after 
finally getting my mind around it is, you know what, the truth is, I'm going to die serving God. And that may be in Texas, or it may be in Nigeria, or it may be somewhere else, but I'm going to die serving God. And if it's in my sleep, in my bed, at night, I'm going to die serving God. How about you? We want to die serving God. That's the most important thing. Number two, be an active, committed part of His church. Not just an occasional piece, not just someone who can be counted on to be there most Sundays, but an active, involved part of His church. Look at this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek His kingdom first above everything else. You know, I, I know a, a fellow who I was very uh, encouraged by him. He, he had a good job and the company turned over, somebody else took over and they came in and they said, okay, listen, we're going to give you a promotion. It's going to be a lot more money, it's going to be a, a, a lot more responsibility, but you're going to have to work two or three weekends a month on Sundays. This guy just quit his job. He said, I'm not going to do that. We talked to him first. And he said, can we do it some other way? They said, nope. So he quit. Just quit his job. I thought, man, I mean, that's a guy that'll stand up for the Lord, right? I mean, he'll stand up for what's true and what's right. And he did. And his kids were little. His wife was working. And he went and got another job that didn't pay as much and didn't have as good of benefits. But he did it. And he's serving the Lord. And his kids start growing up. And he's got a a child that's a really good athlete. And you know, before long, it's not good enough to play in the school league. they got to play in the special leagues. And you know when they play, it's always on the weekend. And you know what? It has been months since that guy's darkened the door of a church. Now, he took a great stand for the Lord at one point, but you know what? That wasn't his weakness. His weakness wasn't money. His weakness wasn't position or power. His weakness was wanting to please his wife and his kid, who's a good softball player. And that's what took precedence in his life. And so now, he goes from being an active, involved member of the kingdom of God to someone that never darkens the door anymore because something else pushed it out. You need to be careful about that. Just having a victory today doesn't mean that you're going to stand throughout your life. You've got to be always vigilant. You know, somebody says, Lord, I will follow you anywhere, but I don't know, I don't know if I want to go there. I don't, I don't have time to go there, Lord. I'll follow you anywhere except that, Lord, because that's a special weekend. And you know, that special weekend for us, we just can't anywhere, Lord, but that. Lord, I want to read my Bible. I want to read my Bible, but you know, i got to get through my, my Netflix queue because my show's fixing to go off Netflix. And I'm not going to be able to watch. Lord, I, I want to read my Bible, but you know I have to read the Harry Potter series every year, and it's that time of year again, you know. And Lord, I want to read my Bible, but we got an election coming up, and I need to study up on what everybody's positions are and who I need to vote for and how we need to... Lord, I want to study my Bible, but 
Fill in the blank. Lord, I'd love to be at worship today. I really would, but you know, uh, this, this bluegrass festival only happens once a year, Lord. I don't know if any of y'all like bluegrass. I'm not picking on you if you do, but you understand what I'm saying. Lord, I'd, I'd, I'd love to do this, but... And all that boils down to this. Lord, I love you, but... There's something else. There's someone else. There's a different place or a different time or a different thing. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, um, I was honored to be asked to come speak for you all today. Um, can you imagine the crowd you would have if the Apostle Paul was going to be here today instead of me? <laughs> we, I mean, that would be a big deal, right? Did you know even when Paul was going around preaching, it was the habit of some to neglect the assembling together with the church? Don't neglect that. And I'm not talking about just Sunday. I'm talking about being involved in the fabric of the kingdom of God and the family of God. Finally, godly moral character. Look at this. Fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. It's not okay with Jesus for the church to be like the world. That's not okay. The church has to be different than the world. And God requires you to have an extremely high standard of morality. The standard that's lined out for us in Scripture. He says all this stuff, He says that shouldn't even be named once among the kingdom of God. We shouldn't celebrate these things. We shouldn't be okay with these things. We shouldn't tolerate these things. We must be a morally pure people. We must stand and live our lives differently than the world we're in. Now, I know you're in the world. You live in the world just like I do. And you may, we homeschooled our daughters while they were young, and well, all the way through high school. And so I understand the idea of let's separate ourselves from the world and all that. But the reality is you can't keep your kids from the world. You can't get yourself away from the world. We're all involved in the world to some degree. And it inf infects us. It impacts us. And you have to be constantly vigilant in yourself and in your mind and your heart saying, I'm not going to be like the world. You know, when my kids were little, we got something called a clear play. Have you all ever heard of a clear play? Some of you have. It's, you put it on your TV and it takes all the nasty stuff out of TV shows and, and all of that. You say, well, we don't even have a TV. Well, great for you. But we had a TV. And we had this clear play, because I'm going to protect my kids from hearing this nasty stuff and seeing this nasty stuff. And you know what the truth is? You can't keep them from seeing and hearing nasty stuff. You just can't do it. 
And what I finally had to learn was this. We tell our kids, you know, yes, people do talk like that. But we don't. People do those things. But we don't. Because we're God's people and God's people don't act that way. God's people don't talk that way. God's people don't do those things. God's people don't encourage people who do to do those things. But we take a stand. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You can't come and sit on the pew and do this stuff and inherit the kingdom of God. You just can't. You can fool everyone around, but you can't. Now, I want to encourage you. We don't have time. We're not going to do it this morning. But do you know what all those things are? I would think you ought to figure that out because, you know, what's emulations? Do you know? You need to find out because maybe you go home and do emulations every night. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to lose your soul. You want to know. That's why we study God's Word. And God has these moral stances. So here's what we've heard, we've learned. God requires you to believe that Jesus Christ is His Son and to trust that. You know, I've baptized a lot of people and I have never... When I baptized anyone, I've never seen sin floating on the water when it was over. You just don't see that, right? So how do you know? How do you know God washes away your sins when you're baptized? Well, you believe Him because He said so, right? It's through faith in the operation of God. That's what baptism is. So you believe Jesus is God's Son. You believe when you're baptized, you are showing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you're placing your trust, your hope, you're betting your soul that He is who He said He is. And that He did what He said He did. And that He will do what He promises He will do. You've got to believe in Him. You've got to repent. You've got to turn and walk His way and not your way anymore, and you have to be baptized. And when you do those things, you have started the walk, and then for the rest of your life, you place nothing ahead of Him, but you be an active, committed part of the church with godly moral character. Now, I want to close with just a little bit more here. And one last passage. It says, And I saw a great white throne... And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. All the fun and frivolity of life aside, someday you will stand right here. Someday I will stand right here. And we will be judged. And you know, we started with YOLO. You only live once. You only die once, right? YODO, would you say that? But there's a second death. And so my message to you today 
is simply this. Are you going to live once and die twice? Or are you going to die once and live twice? That's the option that you have today. And I want to tell you there is nothing more important in this world than for you to choose to die once and live twice. And I want to encourage you to think carefully about your life. Maybe you've been convicted a little bit by this. I don't know. Maybe you're going, yep, amen, brother, preach it. I'm with you all the way. I don't know where you're at. But I know this, you have an opportunity right now to stand here with your church family if you've not been living like this, if it's not been your all, your end all and be all, and say, you know what, I want it to be. I'm ready. I want to make it that. And this church will pray with you. They'll pray for you. If you hadn't been baptized into Jesus, you can do that today. That's why at the end of all of our sermons, we normally have a song of invitation. That's to invite you to take steps to do something, to fix something in your life if it's not right. So I close. A lot of times you'll hear a preacher say, we don't know the hearts and minds of those that are here today, right? You've heard that. You know why preachers say that? Because we don't know the hearts and minds of people. I don't know what you're thinking. But if you're thinking, hey, I need to fix something, now's the time. You can lay your head on your pillow tonight knowing that you know that you know that you're right with your Creator. You don't have to postpone that. If the church can assist you in any way, please come to the front while we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.